We can have fun because we're related. <laughs> we're family in more ways than one. Hey, um, we're going to get into the Word of God and we're going to speak about the agape love of God. It's really interesting, isn't it, that, you know, you just sit with God and talk about some things and then God just orchestrates some songs, He orchestrates testimonies, He orchestrates things and we're kind of all on the same page as each other. And that's the way it should be in every facet that we press into Jesus, we hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and as we do that, we should all be on the same page as each other. Yeah? That's actually how the church should be in the city. We should be on the same page as each other if we're all hearing the voice of the Lord together. Amen? Anyway, so God, we want to thank you this morning that you are reminding us about your love. That you are reminding us about the love that you have for each one of us and the love that you call us to show to one another. We want to thank you, God, that we open your word and we thank you that it comes alive and we welcome the ministry of your spirit amongst us, O oh God, to renew and to restore and to revitalize, to bring fresh hope and joy and deliverance and salvation. Because we thank you that the word is living and active. And so, God, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I hope to get to where we need to go to. But the fact is that born again believers carry a mandate. We carry a mandate. If you're born again into the kingdom of God, we carry a mandate. And that is His kingdom come and His will be done. Amen. Jesus, when He taught His disciples to pray, He got them to, to pray a prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. So the great commission, the going and making of disciples, the going and baptising people, the healings, the signs and the wonders is actually all wrapped up in his kingdom come and his will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, is there an amen? We're talking about heaven to earth. What is allowed in heaven is allowed on earth and what is not allowed in heaven is not allowed on earth. That's our mandate. We carry an authority to actually walk out that mandate. But we're in a war. Does anyone know that? We're in a war. We have an enemy who doesn't like us. We have an enemy that doesn't like the church. We have an enemy that wants to take out as many people with him as he can on the way. Because he knows that his time is short and where he's going. So we have to be careful at all times that we don't come under the things of the enemy. Amen? There are, I remember when we moved to Bundaberg years ago, the Lord was speaking to me about a regional spirit of offence. He spoke to me about Leviathan and Jezebel, spirits of restriction and religion. That were, that were restricting the, the Holy Spirit. And he was speaking to me about all these things. And we have to be careful, as kind of Gary's testimony kind of shared with us, that we don't leave open doors of access, that we allow the enemy to wreak havoc in our lives and in our relationships. Is there, amen. Because we have the authority, but it gets negated through open doors. 
We have the authority, but it gets negated through open doors. Like Gary shared this, this morning about unforgiveness. It's an open door that we give the enemy access into our lives and into our families. And that's why the Lord says, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. Love one another as I have loved you. He's actually given us the tools. But it's actually up to us whether we use them or not. And so often we get caught up in stuff that is just like spider webs and traps of the enemy. When the Lord has given us the way out. And as I said briefly last week, I think it was last week. You know, pride is another one. Pride is such a, an, an open door for the enemy. Because he knows that God opposes the proud. When, we, when we're proud even in our achievements and what we're doing, look what I'm doing for Jesus. It's so suddenly pride comes in. And Facebook and social media and all this stuff can be avenues for sources of pride where we have to let everyone know everything that we're doing. We have to be careful because the enemy is always wanting to lay a snare somewhere. And so the keys are humility, honour and love. Humility, the way that we walk before God, but the way that we walk before one another and with one another. Honour, the way that we value, the way that we respect. And when we go through stuff, that we re-engage again. And we get back to that place of humility and honouring one another. Is there an Amen. And love. So that's what we're going to talk about today. It was funny how the Holy Spirit brings things back to your mind that you forget. Mark Crawford, when Mark Crawford was here in June, roughly, Mark Crawford was probably here in June or was Sheena here in July? So Mark was probably here in June. And, you know, there was one thing that he spoke over us as a group of people. He says, the Lord says that he is making you into an unoffendable people. And I was like, I only got reminded of that yesterday. I'm like, I'd forgotten all about it. Unoffendable people. But to be unoffendable means that you go through stuff that gives you the opportunity to get offended. And you go, no, nah, I'm not taking that on. I'm going to love. I'm going to pray for. And we become an unoffendable people. You know, this is really going to get off track. Can you just give me grace for one minute? God speaks, God speaks to me through movies sometimes. Not that I watch a lot of movies. But my favourite movie of all time is Rocky IV. Has anyone ever seen Rocky IV? Some people don't want to recognise that they've watched Rocky IV. That's the, that's, the, that's the Russian, Ivan Drago. You know, he's like Goliath. And Rocky's this little man. I think he's even shorter than me, Sylvester Stallone. And he goes in to avenge because, because Ivan Drago, in the ring, he, 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 he kills Apollo Creed, who was Rocky's mentor. And so Rocky decides to fight Ivan Drago in Russia on Christmas. And of course, his wife is going, no, 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 you'll die. And no, 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 don't go there and all this kind of stuff. But he just knows he has to do it. He put himself into this training regime where he became so hardened that he would get hit, but he wouldn't get hurt. 
And the whole fight is Drago just hitting Rocky and he, bounce, and he gets on the floor and then he gets straight back up again. It's just like this, you know, it's pretty bad acting. It's just kind of movie, get knocked down, get up again, get knocked down, get, get knocked, uh, come up again. And it's just this kind of thing. But then something starts to happen. Rocky starts to realise that he's getting hit and he's getting knocked down again, but he's not getting hurt. He's not getting broken. And the Russian starts to go, what on earth? In his mind and in his thinking, the Russian's going, I'm hitting him with everything I've got and he's bouncing back up again. And Rocky starts to believe. Is this speaking to anybody? There are so many people over the last three, four, five years that have gone through so much stuff. We've all gone through something, I believe. And it's like the enemy just hits you. But, you get, you, but you're here today because you got back up again. You get hit, you got back up again. You get hit, you got back up again. And we don't realise in the midst of it that God is doing something in us. He is hardening us. He's not hardening our hearts. It's not about our hearts. But He's hardening us in with, with a faith that believes that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And eventually Rocky lands a blow and he cuts, he cuts it. He cuts the, the Russian in his corner, yells out, see, he's not a machine. He bleeds. And Rocky just believes even more. And anyway, he knocks him out and he wins the fight. <laughs> it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about get up again. Get up again. And if you can't get up, say to your brother or sister, pick me up. You know, the thing I know about Feeling. The thing I know about wars, I know a lot about wars because I've never been in one, but my grandfather went to Gallipoli. They didn't leave people. No one got left on the battlefield. They dragged their mates as a sign of honour to get them home to their families, all as many as they could. So if you can't get up, call out to your brother or sister and go, I need you to pick me up. Anyway, we'll get back into the message. <clears throat> the agape love of God is the answer. The agape love of God is the answer to offence, to unforgiveness. The agape love of God is the answer because the agape love of God is never about self. It's not. The true love of God is actually not about self. It's not about us. The problem is that we filter the Word of God through our current world day. That's the problem. So when we read about the love of God, we, we, we think about love as feelings. We think about love of, of you know, like, oh, I feel, oh, I'm feeling love right now. Isn't that so good? But then tomorrow it's like, where's the love gone? Ah. Oh. You know, but because we filter what we read in Scripture with words that don't mean that. When we read love, the love of God in Scripture, we're not talking about a feeling. We're talking about an action. We're talking about something that's unconditional. 
that it's sacrificial, that it doesn't stop, it's unrelenting. It chases you down, it never gives up, it never loses hope. That's what we're talking about. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the love of God. And Bundaberg is looking for a people who will love the way that God loves. Not with feelings, but with action and in truth. That is the agape love of God. But you know, there's a cost. There is a cost to love. It costs the Father His Son. I don't think we realise the, the fact that there was this communion between the Father and the Son. That they were together. And even when Jesus came, there was this communion. Except in that moment when he, who knew no sin, became sin. And the father had to turn his face away. It cost Jesus everything he'd ever known in that moment. Everything he'd ever known, everything. Communion with his father, they were one. They were one. It cost him everything for that moment. When he who was no, knew no sin became sin. It cost him everything. It cost the father. It cost the son. There is a cost to love. Now, we're not talking about the cost of salvation. Don't get this muddled up because that's been paid. Liz so beautifully reminded us last week that we are accepted, we are loved, we are secure. We're not talking about a cost to try and earn salvation. It is done. It is finished. Even on your worst days, even in your worst moments, you are so loved. You are so secure. You are so accepted. In the beloved. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there's a cost to follow. Jesus said in John 12, we start to get into scripture. Love one another as I have loved you. That is the measure. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. That is the measure. And then he says this in verse 13 of John 15. No one has greater love than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. Wow. Let's just think about the, the word cost for a moment. Let's just trace cost before we get back to the love of God. David said, when there was so much stuff happening in Israel at that point in time, and David said, this is uh, 2 Samuel 24, and he came and he said, I need to buy this threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord so the plague on the people may be halted. And Aruna said to David, my Lord, my King, you take whatever you want. It's all yours. Here are the oxen. Here are the burnt offerings. Here's the threshing sledges. Here's the, here, here's the, the ox. 
Here it all is. I'm trying a new microphone, but it's uh, pretty average, I think. Your majesty. Aruna gives you everything because you're the king. But he, David replied and he said, no, 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 I insist. I insist on buying it from you. And this is an amazing little thing that he says. For I will not offer anything to the Lord that costs me nothing. That is an amazing statement right there. I will not offer anything to the Lord which costs me nothing. You know, David realised when he brought in the Ark of the Covenant, or he tried to bring in the Ark of the Covenant the first time, that he got it completely wrong because he didn't follow God's way. And in fact, there was really no cost because they put it on a new cart with wheels and they had some oxen and they were pulling it in and they were dancing and singing until it went horribly wrong. You see, there was no cost in that. There was no sacrifice in that. Because they put it on a cart and the oxen were pulling it. There was, there, there was no cost. There was no sacrifice involved. But then when he realised that, that God's way was for the Levites to carry this, 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 this box laden with gold on their shoulders. They were to carry it the whole way. That's when it went right. I can only imagine, I've said this before, I can only imagine how heavy that box was with gold. Can you imagine? It says they went, was it six steps? And then they sacrificed. They gave an offering to the Lord. Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, if anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will save it. There's a cost to follow Jesus. That's why he said narrow is the path, narrow is the gate. And we know that from Scripture that not everyone could follow Jesus all the way. In John 6, 66, which you've heard me say before, and it's no coincidence that it's 666. When Jesus was teaching, it said many left him. Many left Jesus. Why? Because they couldn't pay the cost. We see in Scripture accounts of people who couldn't pay the cost. The parable of the unforgiving servant, Matthew, eight, uh, Matthew 18. Guy, was it, you spoke about this last week briefly. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Seven times? I tell you, not as many as seven, but 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. When he began to settle accounts, one owed 10,000 talents was brought to him. 
Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he and his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. And at this, the servant fell face down before him. And he said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. And the master of that servant had compassion and he released him and he forgave the, the debt. That is us before God. We could not pay the debts. We could not pay back that which was owed. We couldn't do it. We can't do it. So the father sent his son and he cancelled the debt and said, paid. But then this unmerciful or unforgiving servant, what did he do? He went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So we're not talking about 10,000 talents. We're talking about a hundred denarii. So such a small amount compared to what he'd just been forgiven. And he grabbed him and he started choking him and he said, pay back what you owe. I think we forget that sometimes. I think, I think we forget what we have been forgiven. And we see it by the way that we treat someone else. We can be just like the unforgiving servant who, have, who has forgotten all the debt, all the sin, everything that we've been forgiven of, and we go and demand something from Blanche, which I have no right to demand. Not that I have anything. She is the most lovely lady. But we hold one thing against somebody, one thing against somebody. And we have put ourselves in the place of God. You know, that's what that story is about. When we choose not to forgive, we actually position ourselves as God. Because I get to choose who I forgive and who I don't. Oh. The rich young ruler, you know, I'm trying to take too long. He, you know, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? And so Jesus says to him, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honour your father and your mother. Love your neighbour as yourself. I've kept all these. Since I was a young man, I've kept all these. What do I still lack? And Jesus, because Jesus doesn't look at the outward things, he looks at the heart. All that stuff is not about external things. It's actually about the heart. That's what it's about. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's what it's about. And so he says to him, because he knows, he says, go sell your belongings and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard that, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. You see, he was saying, look at me, I've done this and I've done this and I've done that. But the one thing that the Lord didn't have of his was his heart. And he wasn't willing to pay the cost. Back to God's love. 
Jesus said, You know, I was thinking about the love of God. I was thinking about the woman caught in adultery. Just position yourself there for a minute. You know, you know the story. They're all just wanting to stone her to death, tear stone to death. And Jesus steps into this hostile environment. And he says these words, he says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Oh. I think that's why Jesus says, take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. Because it's this, there's, there's this reminder, it's like, oh. That's a powerful statement right there, isn't it? In John 13, he says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, by the way that you love one another as I have loved you, everyone will know that you are my disciples with the love that you have for one another. The beautiful thing about the gospel, the beautiful thing about the new covenant is that God knows that we cannot do that in our own strength. That's the pattern we read in the Old Testament. Is Israel coming to the Lord? Things are going really well. Israel become unfaithful to the Lord and go wandering. Prophet comes in, speaks the word of God. Israel repent, turn back to God. And then that's just cycle. No matter how hard we try, we can't do it in our own strength. So God says, I'm, I'm giving you a new covenant, a covenant that I am the keeper of. Because we always let him down. And he said, I'm giving you a new covenant that I'm the keeper of. It's an amazing thing. He's the keeper of the covenant. And I will give you a new heart. I will remove your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will place my spirit in you and I will move you to follow me. This is the thing I love about Chad walking with him. It's the thing about uh, you know, hearing Gary's testimony. It's the thing I love about seeing people grow it, because they're, they're looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of their faith. And they're being transformed from one degree of glory to another. He does it. God does it. It's not try harder Christianity. It's letting Him have His way in us. And this is the love of God, allowing Him to have His way in us so that when Sue does something, I don't go, oh, Sue. Oh, I love, I love Sue when she gets up here. And I, was like, I love Sue because she's my sister. And she loves Jesus. And it's evident. You know, I was thinking about that verse during the week. It says, let no root of bitterness grow up in you, that it would defile many. And I thought about that for a minute. Does anyone know what that verse really is saying? Let me give you a practical illustration then. 
since Sue's right there, I'm just going to use Sue. But if I'm talking to Sue about Guy, and I'm telling Sue stuff about Guy that it's come from a place of bitterness because I'm bitter towards Guy. If I'm telling Sue these things, if it causes Sue to look at Guy differently, I have caused defilement of a relationship. I have. That's actually what it means. Let no root of bitterness springing up in you. So I'm bitter. I'm bitter towards someone. I'm, I'm bitter. But I use that bitterness to then actually talk to someone else. I've actually, called, I've actually caused defilement. Does that make sense? So all of a sudden you go, oh, hang on a minute. If I've got an issue with Guy, I actually need to speak with Guy. Because I don't want to cause defilement between another person's relationship. The love of God. You know, we, we always come back to Jesus. We come back to Him. We can only love to the degree that we know that we are loved. We can only love to the degree that we know that we are loved. Perfect love casts out all fear. All fear, all jealousy, rage, anger, judgment, unforgiveness, persecution, whatever is at the core. Perfect love casts out all fear. All fear that we can love the way that He loves. That we can then forgive because we are forgiven. That we can then bless and we can encourage because we too are blessed and we're encouraged. It comes back to Him and it always comes back to our relationship with Him. Because He is the vine and we are the branches and sometimes we seem to get a bit disconnected from that. But that's because but he says, no, no, just abide. Will you just stay? The enemy is always trying to break that through wrong mindsets, false teachings, lies. This is why the church needs to value this. Because I remind myself of the truth. That no famine, no persecution, no suffering, nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. Nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around me. It doesn't matter because nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ because I am in Christ. Oh, I closed, closed it. I'm going to wind up now. I am. There's been a lot happening this morning, hasn't there? See what great love, 1 John 3. See what great love the Father has given to us that we could be called the children of God and that is what we are, amen? Love in action. This, what John just unpacks it. And he says, this is the message that we've heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Unlike Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. 
Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. You might be going, well, hang on a minute, that's pretty full on, Tim. But let's, let's go back to Matthew 5. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you have heard it said long ago, if you murder someone. But I say to you that even if you are angry or have hate in your heart to a brother or sister, you are guilty of murder. That's what he's referring to. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer because it's the intent of the heart. It's what's in here. But then he says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. How do we do that? If anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Dear children, let us not love merely in words or speech but with actions and in truth. You see, there's a cost. It comes back to the cost again. There's actually no cost in just saying something. There isn't. Love you, bless you, see you later, have a good week. But when someone's going through something, and you go to them, and you embrace them, or you give them a pot of soup, (laughs) or a bag of groceries, or you see someone struggling and you say, can I pray for you? There's cost there. It may not be monetarily, it may be time. But that is the love of God. The agape love of God. John continues to write in chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. You see, that's the key. Know God. It's not just knowing about God. We can rattle off scripture verses. We can rattle off history. We can talk about all kinds of stuff. We can know all kinds of stuff about God, but it's about knowing Him. And Jesus has made the way for us to know Him. Ah. And as we know him, we become like him. It happens in our families. You pick up mannerisms from your mum or your dad. And even if you think as a young child, you don't. You find yourself saying something, then you go, oh, that's my mum. Oh, that's my dad. Because you, you become those you hang around with. And that's why it says don't be yoked with unbelievers because you, in the end you become like that in terms of marriage and stuff. It, it's, it's, you need to be around people that will edify you and build you up and strengthen you and encourage you. But spending time with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, you become like him. There is no substitute for time in your lounge room or your 
deck or wherever you find that space to say, Lord, I'm just going to be still and I'm going to know that you're God. I don't know how many times I've come out of those places of just listening to God and just, just being with him. And I get a revelation that I wasn't even looking for. Something shifts in my heart. Something shifts in my spirit. Something changes in me. And I know I need to speak to someone. I know I need to do something. I know I need... It's just from that time with him. Is there an amen? Has anyone ever else felt that? God is love. Music team, you can come. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. And in this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we. For there is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. We love because he first loved us. There it is. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, we love because He first loved us. And we love one another because we know that we are loved. Is there an amen? amen? It goes on and it's quite confronting. He says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. You see, the... The overflow of a relationship with Jesus is that we begin to love the way that He loves. Unconditional, sacrificial, never ceasing, never giving up. We had Simon and Sarah's marriage renewal vows here yesterday. Love is patient, love is kind, it's never ceasing, it never fails, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. God's love never fails. I think God is reminding us today of his love. The orchestration of everything. He is reminding you that you are loved. And it's not a feeling. It's not blows with the wind. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It is truth. You are loved. And the Lord' heart, his heart is to restore the church, is to restore the bride to be all that she is meant to be as we look to the return of the groom. The early church broke bread together in their homes. When was the last time you invited someone back to your house for a meal? They opened the Word together. When was the last time you caught up with someone over coffee and you opened the Word together and you shared? They met together in their homes. When was the last time that you were part of an active small group? They not just met together for fellowship, but it was actually for edification and, and encouragement. And, and when was the last time? They broke bread. They had communion. They reminded themselves that without Christ, they, they are nothing. They came and they listened to the teaching of the apostles. They worshipped, they gave, they helped, they, 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 they loved. And in the midst of the love, more people were being added to the church daily who were being saved. Why? Because they were seeing the love of God in action. They were seeing the presence and the glory of God manifesting. 
And the Holy Spirit does the rest. I need what you've got. I'm being convicted of my unrighteousness. I need the love of God. I need him. So today, come and drink. Come and drink. Come and drink of His love. Come and be reminded. Come and be reminded of His love today. Come and be reminded of the truth that you are loved. And if you need to repent of anything, say, Lord, I repent of holding on to unforgiveness. God, I repent of bitterness. God, I repent of causing defilement between relationships. God, I repent. God, fill me afresh with Your love that I would love the way that You love. Oh, thank You, Lord. Thank You that You take what the enemy meant for evil and You turn it for good. Because that is who You are. You are a good Father. And we thank You, God, that in our lives that You are taking, God, every battle, every trial, every hardship, every circumstance, and You are turning it for good. And our declaration will be, look what the Lord has done. He has done great things. If you need prayer for anything this morning, for healing, for deliverance, for encouragement, please come. For salvation, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, what a great day to receive the greatest gift. Come and receive.